0: You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.
1: Today on the show, we have Darren Priest with Auto Fetish Detail. Darren and I got a chance to speak and he's got a really interesting background and he's going to talk to us about the auto detailing business. So welcome to the show, Darren.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Why don't we start by having you give us an overview of your background briefly?
0: It started out as a side hustle. Uh, The objective was to make money on the side. That was uh, about when I was 21 years old. I was in uh, college wasting time trying to figure out life, what I was going to do. One of the uh, girl in my art class said, Hey, I need to get my car detailed. And I thought, okay, I went to this pseudo training. I, I could do that. Oh, how much do you charge? How about 40 bucks? Okay. So I did that. Then I thought, well, shoot, I was making $7 and 50 cents an hour at the time. And I thought, well, shoot, I just rolled away. I spent two hours on the car, on her car, made 40 bucks, do the math, uh, equated to 20 bucks an hour in my world. And I thought, perhaps I can build this into this into a business. I designed some business cards, had them printed up, went to the local mall, passed them out on all the high-end cars, got a few calls, basically just built it up, just hustling old school mentality, which is knocking on doors, talking to everyone and anyone, and then building up crews, building up accounts, uh, opened up a shop, Got frustrated by the ROI, the return on investment, which was my time, energy, and money. At the end of the year, talking to Johnny Tax Guy, and he hands me back my my tax return. And I look at it, and I thought, WTF, this sucks. Mm. This is so not worth it. So then I tried to recreate my world uh, many, many times because I knew as, as I got older or progressively older, it become progressively more difficult to sustain that intensity physically, because it's very physically demanding work. And so I was always looking for an alternate path. By taking every wrong road, the right road has revealed itself. How about that?
1: Very good. Could you walk us through exactly what goes into an auto detail? Could you describe just what auto detailing is for those people that really consider it to be a glorified car wash? Because I think it might be a little more than that.
0: Yes. Good question, by the way. Uh, And this is what I tell my own customers to simplify it. My goal as a detailer is to restore your car to showroom like condition. So people suddenly they're like, uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty good condition. So then I take them a little further. It's like, no, think about that. When you bought your car brand new, if you did, what did it look like? Well, guess what? I'm actually going to make it look better than the day you picked it up. They're like, oh, wow, how are you going to do that? Well, that's where polishing comes in, waxing comes in. I promise you it will be better than the day you picked it up. So that's the simple answer. That's what detailing is. The process is, is that you break it down into jobs, whether it's the outside, the inside. The outside has all these different components to it, the wheels, the tires, the wheel wells, the rocker panels, the paint, decontaminating the paint, polishing it waxing it, the inside, the seat, the carpeting, the floor mats, the headliner, the door panels, the vents, the gauges, it all gets broken down. Door jams, trunk jams, engine bay, engine itself. So it's meticulous. It literally is, you know, all about the details. It is the details. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you break down a car, it's, it's comprised of endless components, endless details. So you go through it meticulously, shampoo it, clean it, polish it, wax it, whatever's required to make it showroom-like or better than showroom-like condition.
1: Perfect. So what's your business like today? Do you do, uh, are you the one detailing cars? If not, how many crews do you have? Maybe it's a combination of both.
0: Yeah. So I've essentially come full circle. So I Got rid of the shop, got rid of all the crews, helped some of them branch off under their own. I gave them some of my accounts because I really wanted to simplify my world. It always provided me income, so I always sustained it. But in the meantime, once I had established myself and I was making a living doing it, I always had some alternate side hustle going on because it was always looking for an exit strategy. I just did not feel that I could make enough money detailing cars, and I could not sustain it physically. So those two things always got me to pursue other ventures. So this is about a year prior to the housing bubble explosion, called what we want, the bust. And I saw the writing on the wall, and I thought, this cannot sustain itself. And if this really collapses as significantly as I think it will, I'm going to be screwed because detailing is a luxury spend for most people. So that's when the internet and, and, and literally before I built my websites, I barely knew how to send an email. I Mm. could fumble through it, but I just did not see the need for it because I thought, shoot, if I want to contact someone, I'm just going to pick up the damn phone and call them. I'm not going to waste time typing it out because my fingers can't even keep up. I'm just going to call them. So I didn't even see the need for the internet. Or an email, but I saw that it was coming and I saw that it was gonna stick and, and get traction and build and build and build. So I thought I better embrace this technology, figure it out how to build a website, figure out all the search engine optimization, and spent endless, countless hours late at night, sleepless nights, building, writing shooting pictures for my two webs. Well, first, my original web- website to keep me in business, keep business coming to me. I'm so glad I did it. So now I don't pay for any advertising. I'm a one-man show. It's very simplified, but as the internet has grown, social media has grown, I've embraced it, and I'm all about marketing.
1: When it comes to auto detailing specifically, let's talk about startup costs. And to, to get a business started in auto detailing, what does it take in terms of, okay.
0: (laughs) Detailing. It's very appealing because it doesn't require a bunch of capital. Literally you could go to the nearest auto parts store and just pick stuff off the shelf. So a can of wax, some window cleaner, some interior shampoo, a scrub brush, a wash bucket, you know so total
1: total for for those materials what would it be I mean it sounds like a hundred under a hundred bucks really
0: it, it literally it could be seriously yeah. it could be under under a hundred dollars and you could go out and literally just start washing cars in your own neighborhood and you could instantly be start starting to make money so it's very easy, very inexpensive to get into.
2: No, I think that it makes a lot of sense. What about, uh, you talk about your naiveness and when you're young and how it, it sounds like a lot of money, but I think as people get into businesses, they realize a lot of hidden cost and depreciation yep. and overhead. And so can you take us through a, a true kind of profit and loss for a car? Uh, I mean, labor materials and even your overhead. I don't know if you've got larger machines like vacuums and things that you use. Um, And maybe maybe that'll give us longer term what kind of profit to expect if if someone wants to jump in.
0: Well, I guess I could answer this in two ways. One is very specific to detailing. And then one, so specific to detailing, if I were to tell myself, like right now, let's say I could have a conversation with myself 20 years ago and say, Darren, guess what you could be making detailing cars? And I joke about it with people like that know me whether it's at the, the market or the gym or whatever. Like, oh, what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I wash cars. You know, kind of a self-deprecating kind of a moment. Oh, yeah, so you make a living on that, huh? You know, and, and I don't, they don't ask. Most people will get very timid about, oh, yeah. how much do you make? Right. People just don't ask they that. They just stop willing.
1: there. They're like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I might as well say I flip burgers for a living. Right,
1: That's right. Like I can imagine, 100%. yeah.
0: like, yeah, I work at McDonald's. It's like, oh, awkward. So I joke about it. But if I was to tell myself, hey, Darren, guess what? You can make a six figure income detailing cars. And a lot of people don't even know what detailing cars really means. They think it's like a glorified wash. And that's why I kind of joke about it. I would not believe myself. But that is what I about between six to eight years ago, I decided I'm going to stay this course. I'm going to not only be the best that I can be at detailing and, can, and constantly improve my skill set, but I'm going to learn how to be the most efficient, simplified, profitable detailer, period. So,
1: so for auto detailing, what do margins typically look like? Gross margins and net margins.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that would really be tough to define because there's guys out there that are starting out. Like, for example, myself. If I thought, or in the way back machine, nineteen eighty-eight, let's say, because I was making seven fifty an hour, so if I could pull in fifteen dollars an hour, I thought I was golden. And I remember my goal was thinking: if I could just bring in five hundred dollars a week, I'm good to go. I've got expenses covered, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess to go back to Henry's question. The the problem is, and if you look at the failure rate of businesses as a whole, it's, it's horrid. It's like in five years, I think, what is it like 90 something percent businesses are out of business Mm -hmm. within a five year period. I think in the first two years, it's like 50%. It's just terrible. Put it that way. And a lot of business owners, because just because you, have the capacity or ability to start a business does not mean you have the skills to actually develop a business, market it, manage it, grow it, all those things. Because there's so many other intangibles of a business to borrow a line from a pretty iconic movie. If I build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. So guys think like, oh, I'm going to show the world that I am the best detailer. And I will have people flocking to my doors wanting me to detail their car because I'm just that good. And it's just like, you are just that naive because that's not how it works.
1: So you but mentioned I, that leads to the question of differentiating yourself. You mentioned how cheap it is to really get into the business. So what makes someone succeed in it? Uh, and then what makes other people just kind of just never yeah, go not, anywhere with a auto detail business?
0: The difference I think really is about presentation, marketing, meaning if anyone that's viewed my YouTube channel, what I call my unique value proposition,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like for example, I think everyone should come up with what makes them unique to their customers. What separates you from your competition? Most people don't have not defined that for themselves. So let's say, Sebastian, you're looking to get your car detailed you do a search on the internet and pretty much everyone says the same thing. Oh, I have a passion for cars. So I'm gonna take my passion out on your car and I'm the best guy in town because I'm just that passionate. And you hear the same BS over and over and over again. It's like, well, if every detailer's passionate about the car, what separates good from great or great from exceptional? So what really makes you unique? So my unique value proposition is that I build trust at every level in the process. So I figured out ways to build value from the moment a customer, whether they go to my website, they call me on the phone, I'm instantly building value. And I do that by educating them and I teach them because there's two things. There's what's possible over here. And then there's what's appropriate. So, just because I could spend a month on your car and making it literally like a concourse detail, that's not appropriate for most people. Never mind, most people couldn't even afford it. So, how about if I educate my customer in the process and help them figure out what would make sense in their world based on their level of expectations, their budget, their car? Are they going to be able to maintain it moving forward? So there's all those variables. So that's what I help my customers do, which builds value, which separates me from the other guys, my competition, because that's what comes down to one of my other kings. I have all these kings, like communication is king, presentations king, marketing, all these things. So that's the difference is, does a guy have the ability to market himself, communicate to his customers? manage their expectations, take the time to constantly improve their skill set. So that's going to be the difference between what you might call the hacks, you know, the grunts, the gypsies, whatever. I mean, there's many terms for them. You know, they're just out there doing the low budget car washes. They roll away with, you know, $80 in their pocket at the end of the day and they think they're good to go. But you know, you've got to be able to target the right audience. You've got to present, build to present yourself in a way that people realize, oh, my gosh. I mean, a lot of people, if you were to say, hey, would you ever consider spending $350 to detail your car? Most people would crap their pants or be like, hell no. But suddenly they call me not knowing exactly what I charge and suddenly they're spending $350. Well, why is that? Well, because I take the time to educate them and say, hey, this is why people are willing to spend $350. But with that said is just as I'm not for everyone, everyone's not for me. I'm not trying to attract the world to me. I'm trying to attract a person that understands value and is willing to pay for value. I don't want the price shoppers.
1: So is $350 a typical ticket or do you think that's regional? Because I know you're in the West Coast, Orange County, right? And so I wonder if that's, that's different I've than, you know, sure. a detailer in Nebraska. What's kind of the Absolutely. range you think?
0: Well, and that's where it's one of the big eye openers for myself in talking with so many guys around the country is probably two big variables, the weather conditions and the demographics as far as what they can charge, because it's going to vary pretty dramatically based on what part of the country from state to state, but within that state itself. So I personally live in what's considered the high rent district. And so everything's expensive. Yeah. So if that's where you start, the baseline is already everything's expensive. That's going to be vastly different than someone in BF, you know, Nebraska with a population of 8,000. It's like, hey, okay, dude, you can't do this comparison. There's no way you're going to get $350 for a detail. It would be very unlikely. So that's what I have to tell guys is like, hey, you know, go to my price list. You can use it to structure yours. But just because I'm charging $350 at a minimum and it goes up from there doesn't mean you will be able to get that. What you've got to figure out is what the market
2: can bear in your world and that's that's true with any business i'm thinking about location and how that can be a differentiating factor and um, you know what keeps people from entering uh, your market? are there any barriers or the only thing i think about is you have a good location that people can't afford or get access to uh, and that's what makes you unique is that accurate how, how
0: about I ask you this? When you say location, does that mean like zip code or does that mean like a fixed location as in a shop? Because I'm I'm virtually 100% mobile, which means I take my rolling mobile unit called my Astrovan that's got all my equipment in it and I show up to people's homes or businesses to service their car at location. But with that said is because of the internet, I have people that literally will drive two to three hours just so I can work on their car. So when you say location, define that for me. Uh,
2: I think you just answered it. I was thinking, you know, detailers that I've seen where it's, they advertise on a fixed corner. Uh, but with your van answer, it sounds like, you know, it's more of a zip code type thing.
0: It is, it is. So, uh, like in my own County, Um, I don't know, honestly, like, for example, you're in Texas and you're in Georgia, Henry? Georgia, yes, sir. So do you guys reduce it down to a zip code, a city or a county or just kind of an an ambiguous area? How do you guys define it, Henry, in your area?
2: Uh, I'd go by zip code because even even the county I'm in, it's black and white in terms of, you know, uh, demographics and uh, economics. How about you, Sebastian?
1: I would call it greater Houston area. I mean, it's a big market, but there's just so many zip codes in Houston. It, it doesn't make sense to, to narrow yourself to a certain zip code. A certain zip code may not even be that big. So greater Houston area, you know, within an okay. within hour drive, I think you can access most of the market.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that would be a direct parallel with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So people will confuse Orange County with LA. So L.A. County is massive. It's densely populated. Orange County is not as massive, but it's very densely populated. They're both high rent districts, but each county has their slum areas to it. So we refer to this kind of like Orange County as a whole, even though it's comprised of, let's say, I don't know, 20 to 30 zip codes or cities, whatever. We just generically call it Orange County, because you can't tell when you're going from one city or one zip code to the next. So, but, and see, this is where it gets kind of complex because not all zip codes have the same demographic as in affluence or lack of affluence. But that's the cool thing about the internet is that I draw, what I'm, what I'm attracting through the internet is people once again that shop value. So it's kind of weird is I will roll into a neighborhood where, to me, it doesn't compute because it's kind of like a low-budget neighborhood, but yet I'm rolling in, and I'm going to charge them $350, 400 $500 to detail their car, and their neighbors are probably living paycheck to paycheck. And then the next day, I'm rolling into a neighborhood where the entry price is $2 million just to buy the, the smallest, cheapest house in that place so that will vary a little bit but i don't structure my pricing based on the zip code because it's really just based on the services that i'm delivering so that's that's where it kind of gets a little complex based on really just the internet and that's how i personally market myself and to me that's really the winning ticket for any person or any business owner that wants to market themselves is through the internet. Right. And so it, it, it kind of like breaks down those barriers where it's like everything's, everyone's a potential or has the potential. Certain themes will rise to the surface. Like, oh, I find myself that I basically never detail in these zip codes. But these zip codes, because of the affluence, I seem to frequent them quite often. So that theme will arise. But because of the internet There's, meaning I'm not working on like Rolls Royce and Ferraris, Lamborghinis, whatever, every day, because those are the rich bastards. That's not the deal. I work on everything. It's really, are they shopping value? Are they willing to pay what I want to charge them? But on top of that or underlying that is, have we come to a conclusion of what's appropriate for them? Because I can deliver more because of my experience, I can deliver more to them in two hours than let's say a beginner can in six hours. So even though I'm charging $150 an hour and they say, oh my gosh, my own doctor probably doesn't even make that much money. I don't know, whatever they say. And then they say, oh, this guy's going to, he's going to charge me $150 and he's going to spend six hours on my car. So therefore I'm going to get more for my money. It's like, well, maybe, but probably not, actually, because that guy's inexperienced. And the reason he's taking longer, it's not because he's doing a better job on your car. It's because he's inexperienced.
1: Have you studied the growth trend of the market? Is, is this a growing industry? Or what are your thoughts on that?
0: The short answer is absolutely. Probably the biggest indicator of that is how many companies keep trying to enter the market how many um, all the advances in um, chemical formulations, the advances in the tools. Um, The biggest show or convention in our industry is what's called the SEMA show. Uh, I don't know. Are either one of you familiar with that?
1: No. What's that stand for?
0: It stands for, uh, see, Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association, which is misleading because it has – Everything to do with cars, anything even remotely to do with cars, you will be at that show. And within that show is a, a segmented area for detailing. So anything about detailing related will be in this section of this massive show. It's in Vegas every year in November, and it is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, <laughs> seriously, mind-blowing. Because every big hitter, every small hitter that is anyone will be at that show. Every vendor, every manufacturer that you can think of, every customization. I mean, it's just absolutely stimulation overload.
2: Darren, you talk about when you were younger and getting into it, and it sounded like a a part-time hustle. And uh, I think, you know, you're very inspiring. I think a lot of our listeners are going to get excited hearing you talk about it and saying, you know, I work hard and and talk themselves up and want to give it a go. First of all, do you think that given the current market conditions can handle part-time inexperienced people? And then secondly, what would you tell them? I think any market could handle
0: the part-time part of that. And you can correct me if I misunderstood your question, but I think you can start anything part-time. It's really up to you. You will not become independent. You will not become wealthy on the job. Whatever your job is, That's not going to make you rich or wealthy or secure or whatever. It's what you choose to do with your free time that will define your success in life. Because most people have to start out with a traditional job. I know I did. I got fired from two separate jobs because I was the squeaky wheel. I recognized the dysfunction, the ineffectiveness, the inefficiency, and it was intolerable to me so i would always push back and say hey people this sucks what's going on here sucks and it sucks for everyone why don't we make it better for everyone the customer the people that work here the owners but managers they don't like that talk managers they want status quo so i got fired so the point is is i always or i started with traditional work working for the man, as we call it. And it sucked. And I knew I was ill-equipped for it and I would not last. So what I decided to do was that I knew, I mean, time is the great equalizer. Everyone has 24 hours a day, period. I don't care how rich, how poor, that's the great equalizer. Figure something out, do some research, read a book, I mean, now there's so much information out there, it's so accessible from podcasts like this to books. I mean, I'm, I'm consuming information to this day at a voracious clip. When I'm on the road, I'm listening to a podcast. When I'm at home, I'm reading a book. I'm marketing myself. I'm working on my website. So to this day, I'm still working 12 and 14 hour days. It's just that now I have a choice. I don't have to do it but I want
1: to do it. So, I think that's a common motivation for entrepreneurs. And I think how you use your free time is a great indicator of the people that are able to succeed using or doing their own thing, taking the entrepreneurial path and those who, who just treat it as just a shiny object, you know?
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and that's where people, they literally squander their life away, in my opinion, because I mean, if you look at the masses, is that not what they do? Most people stand on the sidelines and say, oh, someday I'm going to do this, or I want to do this. It's like, well, get off your effing ass and do it. And and who cares if you suck? Who cares if you fail? I sucked. I fail, but I fa- I am failing my way to success. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I don't look at this failure. I look at it as one endless learning opportunity after another.
1: Um, I I think we're running out of time here. So I do want to hit our big questions that we ask everyone at the end. You know, if you could just give us a a concise answer, 140 characters or less Twitter style, I think that's ideal. So number one would be, what's, what's your one piece of advice for listeners wanting to enter this market of auto detailing?
0: To me, there's just no best route. Really, I would just go with the passion. And I, as I tell my own kids, I promise you, if you will just stick at it day after day after day, you will be successful. You will figure it out. I don't care what you pick. You will figure it out if you want it bad enough. So just pick something. And guess what? Whatever you pick today doesn't mean you're stuck in it forever. You can change course.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a perfectly great answer. And then number two. What's your favorite resource that you recommend? It could be a book, a website, a blog.
0: Oh, actually, I have a page on my one website, bestautodetailingtips.com, where I have a a reading list and I have, it's not fully developed because there's so many books, but I have reduced my first two books as if people ask me, okay, Darren, what would you start with? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I would start with these two books. One of them is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Yep. The wow. second one, are you familiar with the show Shark Tank? Yeah. Okay, the bald-headed dude, I don't remember his name. Kevin, God, but
1: Mc- he's got- Kevin McCleary or Kevin Kevin Leary. Yes.
0: yes, that's him. He wrote a book. It's it's something like Love, Marriage, Money, something like that. Kevin O'Leary. Is, what's that? Kevin O'Leary. O'Leary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are my two top recommendations because to me, Seven Habits is like a owner's manual for life. Mm -hmm. Interpersonal relationships and skills. And then Kevin Leary, he really just has this capacity to reduce complex issues down to very concise, actionable steps that is such common sense and there's not a bunch of fluff. To me, it's like a book that I would go up to most young people, slap them across the face with and say, read this book. You need to read it and implement the strategies in this book. And it's so basic. And yet everywhere I go, it's like the world does not get it because the world is being led by the nose through marketing and advertising. And really the goal of marketing and advertising is just to separate you from your money. It's Mm -hmm. that simple.
1: Great. And then finally, where can people contact you? You mentioned your website, uh, expertmobilecardetailing.com. Is that the best place?
0: Really, if you remember two words, auto fetish, you can pretty much find me anywhere. Any social media platform, YouTube, Instagram, both my websites, my business website, my do-it-yourselfer, those two words, auto fetish.
1: Well, Darren, we appreciate your time. We thank you for all the insights and and all the information and uh, good luck to you. And and we enjoyed having you on the show.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Darren.
0: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. So uh, I wish you guys all the success in the world on your end.
2: Thank you. That was a great interview on car detailing. So uh, CBAS, I'm interested in hearing some of the pros and cons that that you got down.
1: You know, as a pro, which is, actually also a con which we've encountered in previous interviews is such a low barrier to entry i mean it sounds like all you need to get started is a couple of things from the hardware store or it doesn't even have to be a hardware store it can be walmart and it's just you can start cleaning cars for fifty dollars you know it's just very 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 low and and the the how-to is available on the internet everywhere as well, so it doesn't take any any real skills. And again, that's kind of a pro and a con at the same time. I think to really differentiate yourself, you have to be a good marketer. You have to really leverage, I guess, maybe different channels such as YouTube, Instagram. At least that's where Darren has found success, it seems like, being a source of information and being available on multiple different channels. Uh, what do you think, Henry?
2: Yeah, I agree with everything you said and, and the low barrier, you know, when I, when he talked about his mobile car detailing service, it really, a light bulb went off in my head because I think about a lot of people assume land and real estate, and that's a big barrier to entry and it's a big, big cost. And uh, at the same time, you know, you look at McDonald's and Walmart and they've got a big part of their wealth is within their land, but you know, that's corporations that raise money and our, I think our audience it's a big big plus that if you have a car you know you can you can deck it out with buffers and and whatnot that you would need to get going and and grow from there and really just getting more people and more cars uh, and being better at selling and marketing like Darren said so uh, I, in addition to getting in I think that you can stay in at a low overhead so uh, I really love that and given that it's a, a I would consider it a blue collar industry. It's pretty unique to have that. Uh, typically, it's the white collar industries that have low overhead because it's it's their mind that's at work, but to have a, you know, you don't see a lot of construction or blue collar industries that are low assets. So I think if you're young and, and ready to get going, this is a really good opportunity. I
1: will add as well that we didn't really cover with Darren, but I noticed on his website, his service offerings are very diverse. Which, what I mean by that is he also includes in his services like auto engine cleaning, rock chip repair, uh, paint correction, and enhancements. Even he's detailing boats, he's detailing RVs, motorcycles. So there's actually a lot of ways you can expand your business horizontally, which could be pretty interesting, too. I agree. Be sure to check out the show notes for this and other episodes at bshortspodcast.com. Let us know what other businesses you'd like to learn about and be sure to leave us a review in iTunes. See you on the next episode.
0: You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.